Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here and go! For Yelich! He has tied the game with a booming home run. He got it all. Tied up 4-4 on a big home run the pitch. Ryan Braun sends it to right center and deep. Get up! Welcome to the Brewers Trilogy Podcast presented by the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy. I'm your host, Tyler. You can find me on Twitter at Tyler Kurth. You can read my articles by following Reeling the Brew on Twitter. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Trilogy underscore pod or find us on YouTube by searching Wisconsin Sports Trilogy. Trevor is not joining me here today and not going to lie, it's really my fault. So I got out of work at 4.30 like I normally do each and every day and checked my Twitter account and saw about 60 missed messages on my group chat, and I was like, holy schnickies, you know, something happened. Maybe today was the day the Brewers signed someone. And, well, sure enough, they did actually make a signing, which is part of the reason why I am doing this emergency podcast. And uh, unfortunately for me, I decided to go snowmobiling after work today and got home rather late. And Trevor works a lot earlier than I do. And he said, I'm not going to compromise my sleep. And I don't blame him for that. Like sleep is important. We spend most of our life doing it. So he is not joining us for this emergency podcast. Um, but I do know some of his feelings on the issues going forward here. So I will, I will try and express his viewpoint as best as I can going forward. But in case you did not hear, the Brewers signed Colton Wong to a two-year deal with a third-year club option today. The two years is going to be worth $18 million, and then the the club option could potentially push it up to $26 million. So let's focus on Colton Wong as the player here. He is actually quite tremendous. I mean, in F War, he ranks in the top 10, or has ranked in the top 10 among all second basemen in each of the past three seasons. Since the twar- start of 2017, he is ranked ninth, and start since the start of the 2015 season, he is ranked eighth, and that is against all other second basemen out there in the league. So, quite impressive there. He has won a Gold Glove Award at second base each of the last two seasons. So I do think that's important because when the Brewers were most likely in contract talks with him, they told Wong, hey, you've won gold gloves here. You're going to be our second baseman going forward, which obviously will have some implications on the rest of the defensive lineup, which we'll get into in a little bit. But he has been absolutely tremendous throughout his career at second base. Especially over the last two seasons, he has saved 41 defensive runs 
over I guess that's over the last three seasons, excuse me, 55 throughout his entire career. So our up the middle defense is going to be absolutely incredible, especially when you think about pairing that with Orlando Arcia. So very excited to see what those two can do defensively. From an offensive standpoint, Colton Wong is not going to blow you away with, you know, this gaudy slash line or power numbers or anything like that. Throughout his career, he's a 261 batting average, 333 on base percentage, 384 slugging, 717 OPS. From a home run standpoint, it, it really kind of varies. He'll maybe get to 10. I think that's like a safe a safe number to assume he's going to get somewhere close-ish to that. And RBI-wise, you know, I am really don't really care what he's going to get RBI-wise because I think he's going to be a more of a top-of-the-lineup hitter. He's going to be a table-setter for Christian Yelich. I think with the way the rest of the lineup currently looks, that's kind of the best spot for him, either most likely in that leadoff spot or in that two-hole. So I think part of it, how much Lorenzo Cain bounces back or starts performing will play a factor into that. But at this point in his career, we know what kind of hitter Colton Wong is, and that is a great contact hitter. Throughout his career, his strikeout percentage is just 14.9%. He has always been in the 14 to 15% range, and that has not varied, swayed, or deviated from that whatsoever throughout his eight MLB seasons. So he's going to make contact, not necessarily the loudest contact, not always going to hit gap to gap or anything like that. But he's just going to be a solid guy. He, you know, kind of fits that mold of he's going to battle off those tough pitches and not strike out. That's someone you want at the top of the lineup because even if he doesn't get on base, you know, a pitcher's going to have to battle with him back and forth. And then all of a sudden they got, oh, here comes Christian Yelich. Well, the pitcher's a little tired and getting his pitch count's getting up there in the innings. He, he can't take any pitches off when you're pitching to Yelich. So definitely some value there with what Wong brings to the table from an offensive standpoint, even though it's not the most flashiest of numbers. And then like split-wise, although he is a left-handed hitter, I think his splits against pitching really kind of demonstrate that he is going to be an everyday player Going forward, obviously, with the money he got, that's how the Brewers are paying him as well. So against right-handed hitters throughout his career, he has a 261 batting average, 736 OPS, and against lefties, a 259 average, 652 OPS. So not much variance there. Obviously, power drops down a little bit going against the same handedness, which is resulted in the OPS drop there. But when you have a gold glover like this, you want to get him in the lineup every day. I don't think the the Brewers said, hey, we want you to come play third base for us. Like, no, that just does not make any sense um, when you have a gold glover already at this position and really shows no signs of slowing down defensively. So hopefully he can go for the three-peat uh, with the Brewers this year. So the signing does have some implications on what happens with Keston Hira. Obviously, he was our second baseman, despite all of his struggles, what was going on there. And Adam McKelvey pointed out on Twitter that, you know, maybe the most logical aspect is to go to a Kessin Hira Dan Vogelbach platoon at first base. 
First off, let's think about this defensively. You would essentially have two not very reliable players in Hira and Vogelbach at first base. How many reps or how much practice has Hira even had at that position? We don't really know. And we assume Vogelbach's working on it throughout this offseason. But again, another unknown there. So there definitely would be some growing pains with either one of them. And I do think we probably will see spurts of each one of them at that position going forward as the regular season comes around here. But at the other point, it's like, okay, we always use the argument like, oh, you can't just throw a guy to a new position and expect him to be good. And well, that is true. But at the same time, like, I think we can say shifting Keston Hira over to first base won't be so problematic because he was already a problem at second base, right? So at first base, he essentially shouldn't have to field grounders or throw the ball as much, but he's going to have to pick the ball a lot. He's going to have to get the footwork down. Uh, Those are going to be the things that he needs to rapidly pick up on if he wants to be a first baseman here. So Obviously, offensively, you have to think Kesson here is your number one choice, right? Like last year, obviously, he was very much down. The strikeouts were insane. But Kesson Hira has just such great promise offensively that if you go, okay, is this going to be a strict platoon? It just doesn't make much sense because Kesson Hira actually hits right-handed pitching a lot better. So if you're saying, oh, Keston, you know, we want you to be our everyday first baseman against left-handed pitchers. Well, first off, that's essentially a waste of Keston Hira's talent, right? Like that doesn't make any sense. And and the second point is he hits lefties worse, according to his career splits. So while it would make sense from a Vogelbach standpoint, like, yeah, you get Vogelbach in against righties, you sit him against lefties, like, yeah, sure, that part makes sense. But I think the point I'm trying to make here is I think Keston here is going to be the preferred option, but I do think he might need to train and become a little bit more versatile at other positions as well. Because let's say... Dan Vogelbach returns to somewhat of his 2019 form. Again, not a great average hitter. Very good on base percentage, drew 92 walks in 2019, and a very good power hitter, had 30 home runs. Now, granted, that was the one season that he has done that in his career, and it was mainly on the first half of that season where he did most of his damage for E pretty much fell off the table in the second half of that season. So what can we count on from Dan Vogelbach? Probably not much, but let's say for argument's sake, he he's doing pretty well. Well, okay, well now you want Dan Vogelbach in more against righties because he's playing well. You obviously want Kesson here in the lineup close to every day as possible against righties again as well. So does he have the ability to play third base? Uh, I mean, just because it's another infield position, I'm not quite so sure. We saw him struggle to throw the ball accurately to first base from second base. So third base does not seem like such a great choice to me. Would you stick him in the outfield? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, it's such a crowded outfield to begin with. (laughs) Like, why would you want to put him out there? So there really isn't a good option for him to, you know, train with other than I think he's going to 
have to learn how to play outfield and third base because there very well could be a situation this season where he's asked to play one of those positions. I'm not saying that's going to be like his home position. That's his now new like everyday position. If Dan Vogelbach was doing good enough to earn that everyday first base spot because he's not going to shift anywhere else except to DH, which is not around this year. So Keston here would be have to be the guy who becomes more flexible. But I do think... Keston Hira should get the first chance at first base because of his offense, like I mentioned. So that could be a very good problem to have if it turns out that way. Otherwise, you know, more realistically, as Trevor's been yelling at me on Twitter all night since I got home, is Dan Vogelbach's going to be more of a depth player at this point. So I do get that argument, but me being the optimistic fan that I am, I obviously hope that we run into a situation of holy crap, we got Kesson and Vogelbach who are our first basemen, and they're both doing really good. What do we do? What do we do? So that's kind of how I came to this conclusion that Kesson needs to train at different positions and, and third or the outfield makes the most sense to me. Additional rumors that came out today as well was the Brewers were interested in Rich Hill. So obviously the very old and experienced left-handed pitcher, he is going to be, what, 41 this season and still pitching quite well honestly for his career he doesn't eat as many innings as what he used to that's for dang sure and really since 2018 hasn't made a ton of starts it went over he went 130 innings in 2017 and 2018 2019 with the Dodgers made just 13 starts, 58 innings. And then last year with the Twins made eight starts, went 38 innings. So you kind of look at those twin stats there, eight starts, 38 innings. That's roughly four to five innings per start. And really that fits the mold for what the Brewers want out of a starter, right? Because in reality, he's been really good in his in his pitching performances I mean, really throughout his career, but over the last couple seasons, 2020 had a 3.03 ERA. In 2019 had a 2.45 ERA. If we back up his stats from 2017 all the way to, to the current date, that's a 3.30 ERA over the last four seasons. So that's pretty dang good. Even if you only go four innings, it kind of like makes you think, well, then just piggyback like we did with the shortened season. Show, throw out a Freddie Peralta, you know, opposite-handed pitcher, completely different style, high velocity than what Rich Hill's going to give you. And all of a sudden, Peralta goes four. You've ate up eight innings in a ball game already. Um, you know, I just use Freddie Peralta as the example for this. It could could be anyone, really. Um, they could elect to go with Suter, two lefties in a row if they really wanted. Uh, so... I do think if the Brewers do pursue Rich Hill further, that will obviously be the expectations. Like, man, just go out there and get us four to five innings every fifth day. Be steady and be good like you have been throughout your career, especially as of late, as I was mentioning. So we'll see if the Brewers do anything there with Rich Hill. I was a little surprised to kind of see that rumor float out there. We had not heard much of Rich Hill this offseason and for that matter we hadn't really heard much of Colton Wong either up until it was like hey Brewers are rumored in him and then like 30 minutes later oh the Brewers signed him so that's very much like the Brewers organization they stay hush hush as much as possible and then all of a sudden as soon as you hear about it boom the deal's already done so 
they run a pretty tight organization like that. So who knows what will happen here um, with the with the signings coming forward. Um, there are still some options out there if the Brewers do want to pursue an actual third baseman rather than rely upon Urias or Robertson at all. Um, Akil Franco is still out there, at least to the best of my knowledge. So he seems to be kind of be, or Justin Turner, I guess. Yeah, he's out there. I don't think the Brewers are going to do that, especially given the money they just gave Colton Wong. Uh, but Mikhail Franco would be a little bit more affordable. So probably the clearer option if the Brewers do want to go out and get another third baseman here, um, which then obviously would put another dent in my here uh, backup positioning plan. But again, probably a good problem to have, and that's what Craig Council gets paid to do. He's going to figure out the best way to put these guys in the lineup each and every day. And that's his job, and a lot of it depends upon how they perform. So some good things to think about here with this Colton Wong signing. Again, finally just glad one actually happened. I was able to do an emergency podcast like I've been talking about for weeks. So very excited to be doing that with you guys. We will have another podcast coming out at our regular scheduled time next week, Monday. Unless, of course, there's another signing. Then I'll do another emergency one as long as it's before the weekend. So stay tuned for us. Uh, We're getting ready to ramp up here as, you know, spring training starts at the end of the month in February already here. So exciting times. The roster is hopefully going to be taking a lot more clear shape over the next week or two. And we'll be here to cover it all for you. So make sure you hit subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on Twitter. And uh, leave us a rating because I'd like to know what your thoughts on how we are doing. But until next time, I'll see you later, Brewer fans.